0: seriously stop it man before that you were like an Ian Wright tablet and then someone added water like
1: Moose would say I got all my vitamins yeah man Hi guys, how you doing? Welcome to Righty's House on Ringer FC, episode number eight. My number, man. Anyway, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about the Ballon d'Or Dream Team. It's really cool. Interesting faces on there. None of the kind of faces that you think, oh, they shouldn't be there. So we're going to be talking about that. Managerial changes and what that does and how you feel as a player in the dressing room. People don't realise that's a real tough time for you. Flowers. Gonna give some flowers to Scott Parker. Adamola Lookman is gonna get some as well. And also um, Ralph Hazenhootel. So you're gonna talk a little bit about Arsenal, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drown you with it. Because I'm a happy guy. I'm a happy guy. So my guest today is gonna be the one and only Mr. Ryan Hun.
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important. View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
1: Joining me on Wright's House, Ryan Hunt. I am, right? What's happening, man? We're at the same top. We're, we're dripped up. How are you? Um, I'm not even going to lie. I keep saying it because it's one of the best analogies I can use. And it's the where where Neo's in the train station, and he talks to that um, that lovely family. We can't get on the train because the train master won't let him on because he's in limbo. Um, <laughs> that's where I am at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm there, but we'll um, we'll probably talk about it um, later.
0: Is this going to be a therapy session?
1: It's not going to be a therapy session, but it's. Um, in fact, I think I'm think i just going to go. I'm just going to go, Rai. I'm going to go.
0: Go, go. I've uh, wound you up. I'm going to go.
1: <laughs> look, same, <laughs> same, free. You know, the thing is, right, It's um, I just feel um, very down for, for Arsenal. I feel mm. very down. Mm. Um, and it's not a time to be negative because we've got a manager who's trying to do what he's trying to do, his best stuff. But a lot of Arsenal fans are, are, are very down at the moment and, and, um, and rightly so. It doesn't seem to be a lot to, um, to, to feel very positive about. But, I'm, but you know what? We'll come back to that, right? Because I want to talk about the... Um, the dream team, man. Yeah. You know, the Ballon d'Or dream team, because like when I saw it, I thought, wow. And I think that when you see something like that, when you see the team and it's kind of like a 3-4-3, there's only two players that jump out and say, well, kind of, really? Uh. You know, for a start, there's no Cruyff. Um, I don't know. I know. Oh, yeah, was wild about You know what I mean? Like, you think to yourself, okay, there's no Cruyff, but where's Cruyff fitting in here? And there's no Iniesta. hmm should we go through the teams for people? Who seen yeah, it?
0: let's do it because I think because okay. so basically goalkeeper Le- uh, Lev, Yashin, Lev Yashin. See, I- it's really hard for a lot of people to say because they never saw him play live. Yeah. But from anything I've seen and anything I've read, it's kind of hard to argue that he's one of, if not the greatest goalkeeper of all time.
1: Yeah, is would Gordon Banks be up there? That save alone. Yeah. Right. As much as Lev Yashin gets in all of these. That save alone on the stage against the play, done it against in an un- unbelievable game. Gordon Banks, man. Well, I
0: mean, there, there are a few things with, with Lev. I mean, he was in four World Cups. Mm. He saved over 150 penalties in his career. What? Apparently. Yeah.
1: There's players who haven't got that many goals. Over
0: 270 clean sheets. And uh, obviously, he was the only goalkeeper to ever win the Ballon d'Or.
1: That's amazing, isn't it?
0: So that's probably why he's in there. Because if, yeah. if it's France football and it's the Ballon d'Or dream team, yeah, yeah, the yeah. only goalkeeper to have ever won the Ballon d'Or. But this is a weird thing about the Ballon d'Or though, because obviously it was for players playing in Europe or European players only really for a while, wasn't it? Yes. And then it got opened up.
1: It should be opened up as well. Mm. It should so, Because
0: if you think like Mar- Maradona never won a Ballon d'Or because he, was, he wasn't even nominated and, and during the times when he was at his peak because he he didn't qualify.
1: There's no way he's not winning that in 86, is there? Exactly. There's no way. That's why I can understand Lev going in there. So it's a 3-4-3. Got Lev Yashim, got Cafu, Beckenbauer, Maldini, then you've got Xavi, Lota Mateus, Maradona, Pele, then Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Ronaldo. I tried to swap them two round. I put Ronaldo, I put Brazilian Ronaldo in the middle. But, mm. um, the one person, as much as he was magnificent, in the midfield, I probably, I'm probably, sorry, I probably need Iniesta in there, probably take Lothar out, as great as Lothar was. I just feel, I saw Lothar a lot um, mm. when he came. Did you play against him? Mm, yes, I played against him when he was by Bayern Munich, when I was at Celtic. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but like he was at that stage, he was at that, that stage. I got his shirt.
0: Wow. wow.
1: And it was a really, it was a great story because the way I got the shirt was, we was having dinner the night before. And it was a nice little restaurant we used to go to in Scotland, where everybody used to go to. It was like kind of an underground place. When we went in there, there were some people in there that were from Bayern Munich and they knew kind of the people who I was with. And we kind of had a chat and everything and we spoke. And then I said to them, listen, if there's any chance tomorrow, if um, Lothar can, if I could get Lothar's shirt, something that would really, um, that would really make me, I'd be really delighted with that. He's one of my favorites. And he is, and, and he still is. And um, I remember, so the, so the game the next day, game played off, did it, did it? At the end, you can imagine, there was like a queue for people who wanted his shirt. Uh, and the guy said, yeah, I'll get it for you. So I went, just went in the dressing room like normal. And then there was a knock on the door. And Lothar, <laughs> Lothar, you, like, kind of knocked on the door. And then, then he said, um, yes, Ian Wright, can... And then he went like this, Ian Wright, can we do shirt? shirt?" Sure. Honestly, the the Celtic players. <laughs> wow! I was acting. I was acting like. Che- uh, cheers, Lothar. Yeah, nice one. Nice one. All the best. Yeah, nice one. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah, I'll so, give you a call. Yeah, I'll yeah, call you next week. Yeah. It was that kind of vibe. But I checked. <laughs> I done it in the um. I saw them in, the, in the, the night before, but like since then, I've worked with Lothar and everything, and and that's how I actually got his shirt. But. I say that, but then I think to myself in respect of the midfield, and the first midfielder that jumps out to me is Iniesta. Mm. If Xavi's in there, you think Xavi Iniesta?
0: They were part of, I think, the greatest midfield of all time, greatest yeah. club midfield of all time. Yeah, and therefore, I think having one of them not in there is it just don't just don't feel right, right? But I also think that midfield's weird because it's kind of like they've really shoehorned Pele in there. Absolutely, they've,
1: yeah. But then you look at him as well. You know, obviously he was kicked out of 62. He won in 58. Mm. 17. Yeah, this is something thing. Like, two goals yeah. in the fight. Yeah. 17. It's just like, you know, it's, it's amazing because even when you see what the young players are doing now and you think, oh gosh, like, you know, you look at like Jaden Sancho's and they, they're, they're older. I'm talking about players who are older mm. and they're doing what they're doing in their leagues, Ryan. But mm. we're talking about Pele playing in Brazil at the time at seventeen, mm-hmm. playing in the World Cup and playing in, playing very well and scoring two goals as a seventeen year old in the final—it's literally, it's just, it's almost like it's fairy, it's fairy tale stuff. It's the kind of stuff you'd make up in a film.
3: Yeah,
0: and I don't think you're going to get a Ballon d'Or, the Ballon d'or dream team without Pele in
1: it. No, I don't think you are because, and then I think that the seventies, the, the team in the seventies kind of like rounded off everything about him because remember he missed he missed 62 he missed mm. 66 and then 70 was the was the was the World Cup where everybody was waiting for him in Mexico because he had to he literally that was his last mm. hurrah to to actually really cement himself and play like like he did and he, he, he did it not like Maradona to be honest in respects of 86 and how yeah. he Really dominate because his team were magnificent and dominated it. Not saying they yeah. like weren't, but like they didn't have the players around them. That, but like Maradona didn't have those great players. Like Pele had greats around him. I think it's, it's so wild seeing all of these people on the and same. It's amazing team sheet. because I still feel like as much as I loved, I love Pele. Yeah. for me, and he's great. But I think Brazilian Ronaldo is still for me. My favourite ever Brazilian player. I, th- I think mine too. Honestly, I'd, and yeah. I, I'd, I'd go as far as say, yeah, he's, he supersedes Pele for me. And I don't know if it's that like because I saw him. I, I, I can't knock Pele's two goals in the final at 17 because it's like the kind of feat that I still find very difficult to believe. I've seen it, I've seen it obviously, I've seen it, seen the footage and everything, but at seven, that's amazing. But the pressure, that, that, um, that Brazilian Ronaldo has been under because of the weight of everything that goes with Brazil from that time to this from mm. the time I don't know from the time they lost to Uruguay in the very very first one and that everybody you know the fact is is that this Ronaldo that Brazilian Ronaldo the pressure that he had from t- the weight of Brazil I think no one else we mm. saw we saw Neymar crying when they won um, in, in Russia the pressure he was under but I think that Ronaldo was under more Ryan, to produce and be the one that in his generation to definitely win that World Cup?
0: Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, the only, the only, the only side that I think might have come close was 94 because mm. obviously it had been so long since they'd won a World Cup at yeah. that point, 24 yeah. years. Mm. I mean, it's still been, it's still, yeah, it's still been 18 when, when Ronaldo won and, and those guys won in 2002, but still, I think that, mm. was, that was such a stacked generation of Brazil talent that the expectation on them added that pressure. And uh, even though I think that Brazil were good in 94, he mm. still had Italy. And remember as well, like even though they went out kind of tragically, but you had sides like Colombia in <coughs> South America yes. who were yes. legit good. You know, yeah. Andres Escobar was oh, one, of of God best, God. Yeah. one of the best, one of the best centre-backs in the world and about to make a move to Europe. He was so smooth, wasn't he? So smooth. So yeah, I think the pressure that goes with the Brazilian national side, I mean, you saw it in twenty fourteen, how much how much that can actually hinder. Yes. And how much pressure that builds. But but Ronaldo for me, and we might have talked about this on studio, but he was basically the prototype for the modern day superstar footballer, I think. Mm. When he burst onto the scene in the mid nineties, I cannot remember ever seeing anyone like that no, um, no. you no. know the famous goal for Barcelona Bobby turns around and puts his hands on his head which yeah. is one of my all time favourite footballing clips just because it has everything you ever want it has yeah. this young footballer playing for a bar- playing for Barcelona post era, mm. doing something completely otherworldly and someone as sweet as Bobby he's so blur- he's turning re- around amazing. and it's just like what have and I just Bobby's seen? seen it all yeah yeah and he's just like I've, n- I've never seen this
1: I thought that his treatment again, the treatment of him, you know, again, we're talking about who should manage that. We should, we should have had a manager as well for this, but the the treatment that he got was again. Repeatedly as well. Yeah, It know. was just, you know, and we know that he's a decent bloke. We know he's a good man. We know he's a football man, a football mm. man. It's a football's everything. Mm. But the way he's treated, just because what, maybe people wanted him out in the end of, for whatever reason, he's making decisions on the, on the pitch and picking teams, and is that enough for him to get the stick that he got? And it's just
0: he was our manager for our disrespected eleven. He, oh gosh! And it yeah, and it wasn't even close. Did you see back to the the ballon? I nearly said ballon drip.
1: <laughs> That's what we are.
0: We should have a ballon drip. Ballon drip. That's show. a category in the studios this is year. Is it the, ballon, the ballon, drip. ballon drip? They did a fan <laughs> vote. Oh yeah. Shall I read you the fan eleven? Yes, yeah. it's kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, it's quite it's fairly similar. Buffon in goal, though. Buffon? Mmm. You see... Maldini, Beckenbauer, Cafu at the back. So same back three. Midfield, Mm. Javi and Pirlo. Pirlo makes it. You see, I wouldn't
1: argue with that. Yeah, I mean, you can't hate it. You can't. Yeah, you can't.
0: Uh, Maradona and Zidane. See, I knew that
1: the fans would not pick Pele.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then the front three is the same. Cristiano and then Ronaldo, central, Messi,
1: right. You see that, yeah. But the front three, I don't think you could get anyone in and around that. You know what? If Van Basten didn't, if Van Basten didn't retire when he did and didn't get it, Van Basten is one striker that could push himself in and amongst that. But like even that, you're thinking to yourself, no, because if Romario can't get nowhere near that, then mm. no one can get near that front three.
0: They did second and third teams as well. Wow. So second team, mm-hmm. Buffon. Yeah. Another. It's another three-four-three. Roberto Carlos, Franco Baresi, Carlos Alberto. Wow. Alfredo Di Stefano, Frank Reichardt, Andrea Pirlo, Zinedine Zidane, and then a front three of Ronaldinho, Johan Cruyff and Garincha. They put Cruyff as a centre forward.
1: I like Garincha.
0: And the third team? Is Carnaval in
1: any of these teams?
0: Well, you find out in a second, right?
1: Because oh, I'll be, ve-
0: I'm just look at me waiting. You know that saying that I always say in Stadio when I'm... Sick of having my heart broken by men I've never met. Yeah. You're about to get your heart broken. Oh, man. no. <laughs> oh. Manuel Neuer. Paul Breitner. Paul Breitner? Yeah. Go on. Sergio Ramos. Mm. Philip Lam. Andres Iniesta. There's
1: no way he should be in the third team.
0: That's ridiculous. Didi. Joran and Michel Platini. Thierry Henry. Marco Van Basten. George Best. The front three. You see, Nayskens, what, No Zico. Look at this. So they left out. Oh,
1: Carnavaro. He won the world. He's the only defender that's one. He's won it, not he?
0: No, yeah. No Casillas, no Eusebio, no Gerd Muller, no Schuster, Socrates, Baggio, Passarella, Nilton, Santos, Meyer, and Gordon Banks.
1: Oh, Bobby Moore. How many World Cup winners in there? In the first or the second? Yeah, in the first. So we got Javi. Um, one, two. One, two, three, four. Eckenbauer, six, seven, Cafu, eight. So yeah. who hasn't? So, so only, only, only Lev. Only Messi, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. Messi um, and Lev Yashin. No, I haven't won it. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, if I'm be totally honest, I believe the World Cup Careful. should. I'm thinking the World Careful, Cup. <laughs> right? No, <just laughs>
3: what are I'm you happy. doing? no,
0: it's <laughs> like,
1: like, like the bit in Austin Powers where he's like no no I'm <laughs> just so thinking funny. there must yeah, you can, no 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 I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say something to wrap up on um on, on the Ballon d'Or team is that you look at it and you could say it doesn't make it doesn't pain my heart no, no. and see, do you know what with anyone. things
0: like this mm. that's all I really want mm. I don't want I don't want I, I don't want to look at the 11 and see a a grave injustice in there.
1: No, no. I I saw someone posted some, some Iniesta skills stuff yesterday. but You know, something His greatness. When you're looking at the greatest 11 that you could put out on a sheet and Iniesta not being on it, it, it makes me feel, I don't know. I'm, I'm not as comfortable with that as I first anticipated.
0: (laughs) It's like, at the end of it, it's like, any questions?
1: It's like, Uh, guys, are we going to,
0: uh, do, we, do we really want to do Iniesta on the third team?
1: Exactly. I, just to put it, just to make it safe for you guys, we don't want people coming here with tiki torches and uh, Who would manage the team as quickly? I think I'd
0: say Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson.
1: Wow. Actually. Wow, I like it.
0: I think the reason is because he constantly evolved to his surroundings. He basically just manoeuvred through multiple eras and succeeded all of them, and yeah, I know absolutely. that a lot of that was contextual with United's growth as a club off the pitch, but he was responsible for that on it. And I yeah. think that there are probably managers whose stars burnt brighter than Ferguson's, but for a much more condensed period of time.
1: Yeah, I probably wouldn't disagree with that. But I do. There's something about Trapattoni. <laughs> Trapattoni on the sideline with that team. I think he could do it. With- You know, with, with managers, you see how we're talking managers? Mm. Talk to me about um, Bav mm. in respect of Dortmund because I was thinking about that and it's kind of like it seems to have just not kind of worked out in the end for mm-hmm. him in the way that, yes, they've got all these unbelievable young players that they find from all over the world. And I was speaking, I was speaking to Roscoe funnily enough and I was saying they're another club that it doesn't really matter what the manager's doing. They, they're going to do what they do. And they're just going to, they're going to jettison a manager in. Dortmund?
3: That,
0: yeah. Um, Am I it's right? A, it's a, I don't know. All right. So Dortmund is a tricky one because in the, in the 2010s, when obviously we saw that wonderful side that went to the Champions League final, Klopp was so popular because he was kind of like an extension of the Sioux Tribuna. You know, he was very animated, super yeah. loud, super yeah. intense. And I also mentioned Tuchel in that from the sense of his personality Although the problem with Tuchel was that he, he never really got on with the fans and the fans didn't really get on with him that well. But in terms of his style of management, I think that it was more suited to Dortmund than, say, someone like Peter Bosch, who was very much kind of like rich dad at a parents' evening kind of thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I think with Favre, he was really popular there in terms of from the players and Vatska, the CEO, and, 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 and Mikhail Zork, the uh, sporting director. They really loved him. And I think it was a really hard decision for them. But I just think that he's in the last year of his contract. Mm. Financially, it's not such a hit to, to fire him now. For Dortmund, it's I think that there's a sweet spot with that football club. What about someone
1: like Nagelsmann? Would they take him from...
3: RB?
0: Yeah, I think
1: so. But I think
0: he's got a couple more years left on his contract as well. And I think he'd be expensive. And I think, I think, it's, I think it's going to be interesting. I think their, their hope, I think, is just, that's why I think they've given Terzic till the end of the season okay. to see what he can do. Because that's basically, if you think about it, it's exactly the same scenario that um, Hansi Flick took over at Bayern. Yeah. Exactly the same. Pretty much similar time of year, similar home defeat. Mm. And what Dortmund really needs is basically just someone to maximize the pieces as opposed to just playing them at the summit of the parts. Because, like I said in the WhatsApp group, and I said it on the stadio, Dortmund at the moment and the last couple of years have felt very Goldilocks if anything, isn't, if, if anything isn't quite right,
3: mm.
0: you see it. But I wanted to ask you actually about this oh. on the managerial stuff because I wanted to speak to you about what it's like as a player mm. because I think it's something that us mere mortals <laughs> who just do podcasts um, don't, will never truly understand. I mean, obviously, we've, Moose and I, am, you know, and many people have played at amateur level where there's been a change in manager. But it's a completely different, completely different thing because this is like your day-to-day, mm. your life. Can you think of a moment when, I mean, I'd, should we use arson as a, as an example? We can do too, it. Is that too easy?
1: No, but, no, but what I would do is, I I tell you what, I'd use Ryok firstly.
0: When he came in after George? Yeah. So in the final days of
1: George, mm-hmm. what is
0: the atmosphere like in the dressing room? Because George doesn't really go for footballing reasons, does he?
1: Really? No. No, but you know the thing with with George as well is that we knew we knew him. He's ingrained in every single player. You know how it is, and there's certain players who are always going to be all right under him. There's certain players that will play and they will play under duress for him, and there's certain players that he will have that will be in and out for Mm him. Right? So when a manager like that leaves, and remember the 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 scenario in which he left was like, well, we're we're in the dressing room thinking, well, he's not going to go, is he? Probably, it's going to all fade out and then bam, mm. you, you hear the news, George Graham's been sacked. I remember watching the television, seeing his seeing car turn out out of that bit of Arsenal, the car park. And it was quite a moment because I think, I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, they've done it. Mm. And you know, the, the first thing that happens when a manager of that caliber leaves like that, I instantly started to shit myself. Really? Yeah, simply. Simply because at the time you're not thinking about yeah, well, I'm scoring, so he's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay, whoever the next manager is. You look around, you say, yeah, Tony Adams will probably be okay. Um, this one will be okay. Boldy, the, the back five will probably be okay because, like, they're they're, 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 yeah, they're what you build it, you build everything on. But then everybody else is up for grabs. You don't know if this new manager is going to come and he's going to, um, he's going to come with his own, he wants his own striker, whatever you're doing. He might not like you, whatever it is, which is pathetic really for me, but, Stuart Houston took over for a little while and he instantly started to fuck me about. Really? Yeah. I'd never been so, some of my worst moments, like on the sideline, they just take a dislike to you in what maybe he's seen up to that point and how he believes you're acting and he doesn't like it, but because you're scoring, the manager's placating you and you continue to play. Mm. But he started to leave me out. I just thought to myself, yeah, he's just going through that phase. It'd be fine. Hopefully the new manager will come in. And I'll get, but then I knew that I needed to score mm. off the bench to make sure that the fans could see what they're dropping him for. Mm. But then Bruce Riott came in and the story was, you know, that people wanted to know, well, who's going to score you the goals? Pat Rice said instantly, Ian Wright. He took a dislike to me. So I was nervous from the time George left, all through Stuart Houston's kind of um, t- little tenure. Mm. Um, and remember, we, we got to the final. And then when Bruce Riott came and literally after the first training session, first training session, first pre season, I knew that I was going to have problems. And I was nervous. It made me nervous. Whereas other people, Tony, the backfire, they're all all fine. I had the credit in the bank with the fans. But then you're worried that the fans and what's happening and what's what's being leaked out of the club, the fans are going to start saying, oh, he's getting too big for his boots. Maybe we should sell him. Maybe we should sell him now because of this and that. But I believe if they had somebody, who came in if rioc had somebody who was there who scored those goals mm. that when i you know what i mean he would he would have, he, he would have definitely left me out because i know he wanted to move me on but and this is this is the problem when a new manager comes i don't care who you are you do feel like okay here we go again because you don't know what he's going to want you don't know what he's heard you don't know how he wants to play and you don't know if he's bothered whether you you've scored or not that's what i learned it didn't make no difference to me, my goals. Mm. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm going to have to leave here. And that's what, by that time it was all, you know what I mean? It was all, you know, transfer requests and all that stuff had gone in and all that.
3: Yeah, I
0: remember and then that. The, yeah,
1: I yeah. And then in the end, you know busted. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but you can imagine.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it's like if you're, if you're, it doesn't, I think this is what fans don't realise is that like, you just want to play football. And you want to be happy.
1: Arsenal's everything to me. You know what I mean? And like, you know, Crystal Palace fans don't like to hear it because they think that it's just because when I went there. But it's when David Rocast went there when mm-hmm. he was a kid. Arsenal's everything to me. And, and when I went there, I had no intentions of leaving. I was wanted to finish my career there. Mm. So for me, I remember having to speak to like my manager at the time and all that. And, and he was saying, we, 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 we just have to do it. Glenn O'Donnell wanted me to go to Chelsea. Mm. It's done, it was done. I think they was, the, the deal was done. It was everything. And I, you know, one of those like, um, situations where okay well yeah yeah i'll i'll go i have to put this in because i know that arsenal at the time are not going to get rid of their manager that's not what arsenal do Mm. but then you know i got a call from um david dean when it really hit the fan because he didn't like my relationship with david dean is that bruce yeah in the end ryan it worked out for me because it was the david dean thing I remember David Dean phoned me because obviously he knew the troubles I was having, because I remember when I gave David Dean my, um, when I sent David Dean my transfer request and he called me, he said, what's going on? And I said, it's got to this point. And he said, Ian, I need you to come up to, come up to my house. Um, tomorrow morning I need you to be there at seven, da, 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 da. And I thought, oh, no, I'm out, gone. It's going to happen. Wow. Because firstly, they, um, they said they, 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 they rejected the, the transfer request. But then- when he gave me that call, he said, Ian, come to the house. Please, please don't worry. Just come to the house. So obviously I didn't sleep, Ryan. Yeah, and um, no, because I'm thinking, that's it. I'm leaving. Yeah. They're going to get rid of me. Because I, I, I don't think Arsenal are going to get rid of the manager. So um, when I went there, he said, Ian, um, we're going we're gonna to relieve. And this is how he said, we're going to relieve Bruce Ryuk of his job. You know, he was saying we're going to. And so I knew this. Before I went into training and he said, how do you think the boys are going to take it? And to be honest, by then, Ryan, the boys were a little bit like, you know what I mean? We're not really sure about it. Yeah, a bit me. done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A bit done. Sometimes, because just, sometimes the chemistry is just not there, isn't it? It just wasn't.
1: Yeah, We went in, blah, blah, blah. by the time I got to training then, you could see that things had happened and then blah, I got in, then they called at that kind of meeting. We're all sitting on the side there and you know what I mean? He comes and then he, he says, listen, thank you very much for everything and da, 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 da.
0: This is just stuff we just don't see as fans. What happens when Arson first turns up?
1: Well, when, when Arson comes, obviously, my first feeling is obviously, like we say, we don't know who he is. You're only hearing great things about him. Hearing that, like George Weir dedicated his, um, yeah, yeah. his, his Ballon d'Or to him and his FIFA, was it his FIFA World yeah. Player of the Year thing to him? And Glenn Hoddle talking highly of him. Everybody just speaking very, very highly of him. And I'm there thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, I've just for the last year, you know what I mean, I've just had like the worst year in respects of um my 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 head and where my head was as a footballer mm. and trying to get on with it and just somebody just doesn't take to you how how hard it is. So the first thing I'm thinking is, Jesus Christ, this manager's probably heard all of that. Is he is he gonna be okay with me? Because I don't know at this time that him and David Dean are tight. And so when he came in, I remember he was just brilliant. He made me feel unbelievable. That's so good.
0: Simply what, what, what did he do? What was the he, thing? You was know it, it just his aura or his energy? Or? It,
1: it wasn't anything like that. It was just he knew fucking everything about me, Ryan. Wow. He knew everything from where I came and went to palace and everything like that and where I came from and all the stuff. And he, he said was, he was always fascinated. How did you turn into... This killer, he used to call it. Wow, Where man. did this energy come from? And he, you know what I mean? That's the kind of thing you'd say. But I remember when he spoke to me, Ryan, I literally left there. And you can imagine what's happened the, the, the year before and everything. Just feeling like, oh my God, this could be it. He just knew everything about me, how I played, what he wanted me to do, what, he, what, he's gonna, what is going to happen, how he wants me to play. It was like, I've never had that before.
0: That's amazing. You know, those, you know, those adverts you've been doing for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be really good if it was just Arsene popped up being like 11 hat-tricks.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, whoa, who, who dialed Arsene in? You know, the thing with it as well, Ryan, is that when you've done something, he, he, he would notice like the, like the smallest movement in your game mm-hmm. when you play, it's great movement there, this and that. He'd just, t- and he tell you, from the time I got in with Crystal Palace and, and, um, and Steve Koppel, you're not getting managers who are opening that side of them where, I'm not talking about vulnerability, but mm. the kind of side to them where, like I thought towards the end of his tenure at Arsenal, the players took his kindness for weakness. He opened himself out to me and made me feel like there's a vulnerability about him that he doesn't mind sharing with you. Yeah. I don't mind telling you you that was fantastic. Great move. yeah, Great move for this goal. Nice pass, good lay. And then when you consider, so you don't get that from, you, you don't get it from Steve Coppel. Then you get George Graham. It's all about the, the carrot and the stick, just beating, beating. Then you get a manager, you know what I mean? Because they don't want to show that side because oh, it's weakness. Um, You get a manager who hasn't got no problem and shows empathy to you and shows like, because the one thing that people don't understand. And like you said it just then, Ryan, yeah, but all the fans thought, yeah, you, you were fine and this and that. Sometimes you have, incredible moments of self-doubt. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. The only thing you can get through that is you, you continue to do what you're doing in training. You continue to try and score. You continue to try and prove it wrong because once you, you leave the training ground, it's not like, oh, it's all switched off.
3: Mm.
1: You know, people see you all the time. Oh, you, you, everything okay. What's happening with you and Rio? You're living it every single day. And you know, you're constantly having to make sure that your attitude and your professional attitude is, is right. Because you don't want the fans to think, yeah, he's giving it the big and get him out, this and that. So you, it's a constant pressure to, con- to make sure that you are doing the right thing and performing in the right way. But then you get a manager like Arsene Wenger who comes in and he puts everybody instantly at ease. Yeah, You can see in the way, we, from the time Arsene Wenger got there to, to when we won the... It, every, from the time he got there to, you know, the latter stage of you, It was all upward curve. It was just all brilliant because everybody felt amazing. I think it's super interesting, man, like hearing about how it is, the kind of journey through different managers. So important because people just think, oh, it's going to be a transition. It's not like that. You are petrified. You're hoping. This is your livelihood. All of a sudden, this guy could come in and totally, remember, he's got the backing of everybody upstairs. No, I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't want him. I'm going to get them out. I'm going to bring my players in. You've got to think about the family. Maybe we have to move. Does he like? So you're thinking about players who are on the outside who are getting ready to maybe say, well, I've not been involved in that. Mm. When a new manager comes in, they've got a new, like, okay, let's see if I'm, I can get back in. Some of them yeah. get back in, some of them don't, but it changes for everybody. It's really a tough time for everybody.
2: May the 1st, 1986. Deep inside White Hart Lane, all eyes are on a thick set man. Five feet five inches tall. That man is Diego Maradona, seven weeks away from becoming the most infamous footballer on the planet. Giant, when Maradona played for Spurs, exclusively on Spotify.
1: I gotta say, when you see the way you know we're talking about Arsene Wenger and giving that kind of love, and if if I, if I ever did become a manager, which I sometimes I do sit in regret and think, could I have done that?
0: Right, it sounds say
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I think I look at it and see what people go through, um, and think to yourself, I on a and from an emotional point of, view, I would not be able to deal with it. But then you look at someone like Scott Parker, who, let's face it. People taking the mickey out of him at the start of the season for whatever reason, just because he looks smart, smart. Tie clip, man. You know, tie clip was too high. What he done was he trusted what he was doing because when you listen to people like Tom Kearney talk about what they're doing in training and um, how hard they're working and how they feel like they've just missed out in certain games mm. and to keep them going for a young manager to do that. And then to see Scott Parker get through what he's been through up to this point, starting to win games, brilliant against Leicester. And then the backing and the empathy showed towards mm. Ademola Lookman with the yeah. penalty. Because I remember doing that game and thinking to myself, I'm giving Lookman flowers here. Good. I know I've started off by giving it, like giving Scott Parker some love, but he's got to get it. But like the way he dealt with that, Scott Parker, um, because he knows the calibre of player he's got in Lookman, And the way Lookman has reacted, Ryan, to, to what he's done, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the foundation for what he's going to build an unbelievable kind of like f- career for himself, simply because there's only two ways you can go, right? You can completely fall off or you can just kick in. We said, um, I want to find this really quick.
0: Yeah. I think we talked about this in the group at the time. Did we talk about it? Yeah. Here you go. Right. Look, check this. Mm. He knew straight away. And weirdly that that probably taught him more than if he'd buried it. Honestly. In a few years' time, I think we could be saying that this was the moment that changed his career for the better. Yes,
1: see? Oh, my God.
0: Mystic Rye. Raistradamus.
1: Raistradamus.
0: <laughs> you saw straight away how much he knew he'd... He messed he'd, up. Yeah, and I think that... I think we were all chatting about it in the group, but it was like, we were... Like, we was, I think it was just in the moment, and we were like, ah! Yes. And that was straight very... Straight away, thinking it was like... Oh, my God. This is going to be one of those things that... It's so... What's the word? It's almost like, I don't want to use the word ridiculous, but I'm going to use the word ridiculous because I can't think of a better word. It's so ridiculous that it can be compartmentalised quite easily and Scott Parker yes. and him can chat about it and be like, what did you learn from this?
1: Yes. But the thing with him is it is that, is that what I learned and what we know about people is mm. they want him finished. Lookman from that penalty. Yeah. I remember doing the show and I said it, it was unprofessional. For the time of the game, what they needed, the fact that he'd not taken a penalty, you know, for him to take it like that, you know, with them in the current predicament, him being a lone player, doesn't really affect him once he leaves at the end of the season or whatever. When you throw all those things into that pot, then you could think that was such a bad thing to do, such a bad penalty to take. But then when you listen to a manager, and this is what I say about Scott Parker, and then like I mentioned about Wenger, they see things. He said, well, yes, he, he tried a penalty that, you know, we've seen it work. The goalkeeper doesn't move. It's just the same as missing a penalty if he blasted it over. Mm. It's, you know, and you know, the, the thing with it is that you could tell that Scott Parker has seen this guy on a daily basis and he's literally just backed him straight, from the, straight out of the bat. And he was, again, Luckman, again, the other day was their most dangerous player. Yeah. His skill he's on the ball and everything, what he's doing is he's somebody that has quickly learned from what he's done. And this is what, what's so beautiful about it is that sometimes you have to go through, like I say, that pipe, you know, that mile and a half, Andy Dufresne, yeah, you know, where, you know, you have to go through that. And he went through it. And to be fair, he got through it pretty quickly. Yeah,
0: really quickly. I mean, it was only a few weeks ago, right?
1: Yeah. He's got through it pretty quickly because the way he played, he looks as as confident, if not more confident than even before.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm really pleased for him. Yeah, he's me got too. To get some me yeah. And look, look, Hopefully it continue for him. And Scott Parker, you know, you're looking at um, the way Fulham are playing now and um, the way they played against Liverpool. And you have to say that something's happening and, you know, long may that continue for him as a manager. But if we're going to talk about managers, then Hootel man, my favourite guy in the whole world at the moment.
0: Did you see how emotional right. he got when he saw the fans? Oh, the- you know
1: something, that's the kind of stuff... I've watched that sort of stuff. And this is what I'm saying about Wenger showing that side of him. Mm. I'm not saying Wenger was going to cry. because I don't think, I, I don't know what it'd be like. I thought that when Wenger came out for that last goodbye, I was, I welled up, but he was very in control, very in control, yeah, nothing. Gone. But watching Ralph see the fans back and clapping him like that. And then you saw his lovely face, like just starting to contort with cry. You yeah. know, when cry's coming, Yeah, it's horrible when cry's <laughs> coming. No, I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna... he done that face and he done that face and I thought to myself I love you man I love you
0: I've run out of words to describe how much I love Ralph Hasenhall mm. and like my best mate Rob is a Southampton fan and I kind of like live my like fake Southampton fandom through Rob yeah, I love okay. him because I just want Rob to be happy you know Yeah, yeah. but even when the 9-0 happened my faith in Hasenhall never wavered because he's progressed every single side he's been at mm. in Germany and that change in culture has just like that was. It's like Carl said that time it was like yeah. the next day. It was like right. This is what we need to do.
3: Mm.
0: You know, offer this yeah. resignation. They say no. It's like right. Let's get to work. And he just strikes me as a guy who put it this way. I think there was a moment that summed up Ralph Hasenhuettle perfectly well. Was when I think it was against Arsenal when they beat us at St Mary's under Unai Emery. And he celebrated the goal and he realised that he'd ran either towards Arsenal, yes, towards yes, Unai Emery, and he instantly kind of went, oops, sorry, 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 yeah, and yeah. turned around again. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's intense, but he's aware and he's, he's like, he's a, he's a good dude. You know, he's a you, good, good dude. You
1: know, the me. thing with it is, right, is um, I watched that really closely, the Southampton 9-0 mm. game and, and watching Southampton after that. Because, like I say, it happened to us. It happened to us at, Hanf- at Anfield. Yeah. And we got beaten 9 0. And things happen to you when you're on the mm. pitch and you're totally, totally being, you're being totally humiliated.
3: Mm.
1: And th- th- something, remember, while that's happening to you, something's happening to the manager on the side as well. Has yeah. to be. Yeah. Because, you know, like I, I think Steve Coppel might have done the same thing with Ron Nodes. I think he offered to, to resign. But the thing with, with, with Ralph, I was thinking to myself, well, this is, this is either two ways. Either Southampton are going to panic and, and, and get rid of him, which when you look at them now, you, you could see that would have been a oh, massive mistake. A massive mistake. yeah, a, Unbelievable mistake, ginormous, um, to see what he's done in the team. But I don't think people totally understand. Remember, he's living it every minute, right? I'm trying to get this as, as, as close to what we've done as possible because you don't sleep. Yeah, You come in, you, you come in. What do you say when you've got a dressing room of guys just been beaten nine nil, you get them in on the Monday, you've got a game next week and they're sitting there. What do you say? Yeah. That's where people like Ralph Hasnut and Steve Coppell at the time, that's where they earn their money because to try and get the faith and the belief back in you mm. is like, I, I can't even get into that. I can't get into that vicinity. And look at right? that. And look at them, look at them. Like we we are going to play Southampton, and, I, and it's really strange because I, I saw his quotes the other day. He said, he, he, what, "What did he say?" He said, "I can, I, I can only say I, I, what I saw at Tottenham and the fact that we played around the box, like they were playing handball and they couldn't score." Mm. You know what I mean? He said he said the same thing against um, Burnley, and then, yes, he, he mentioned the fact that we create a couple of chances, um, which Nick Pope um, saved, and we should have done better with the chances. But you know. The way he's looking at it and what he's seen and how he's going to set his team up, you know he's going to let Arsenal have the ball because he's not afraid of what we may be able to do. He's not afraid. And let me tell you, Burnley are not nowhere near as good as Southampton. I think a draw against Southampton will be a fantastic result for us in the current climate. Yeah, I mean, what is
0: it? Since the Man United win in the league... Four defeats and a draw in the last five,
1: three of them at home. Mm-hmm. Can I say something right? Because I really, there's something that I've read with Edu and, you know, that's funny because I was with Edu. Um, I went to the game last week and we, we played against Rapid Vienna and we had a chat and, you know, yes, he's very energized and everything. But one thing I was, I'm very disappointed with something I read with Edu saying about Willian and needing time. And stuff, and why I can't have that. And I'd say it to him if I saw him, I said, "No, no, no, we don't really want to be peddling that because we've we've we brought William in um, to hit the ground running. And when he came in, I read what you said about a player that we need immediate impact from. You know, now we've signed William for three years, which was very dubious to a lot of people. And even I went, okay, yeah, but I know that William's good enough to." you know, not only a a, a winner, a serial winner, but the experience that he brings and we've got young players that might be able to learn something from him. So to hear we need to give him time. I thought I needed something to squeeze (laughs) simply because we, that's not what we bought Willian for. Willian needs that chat where it's, whoa, my friend, listen, you're here to hit the ground running. I think that, I read something somewhere, right about the, uh, the connectivity with Imen Abamyang, and, and I know he's set him up for Fulham in the first game, but the numbers were poor. And I'm not going to throw them out there, to, you know what I mean? Because like, I can't remember him exactly, but I don't want to. I'm not throwing him under the bus. What I'm trying to do here is to explain that Edu cannot come out and say these things when Arsenal are in a position where we've signed a player for three years that we need to hit the ground running. Yeah, and also,
0: if you think about it, he's not had to move City and he's not had to move the league. Mm. It's as
1: smooth a transition of a transfer yeah. as you
0: could wish for as a, th- as a player yeah. in your early 30s. Really.
1: You're, literally, it's, no, 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 Ryan, it's, it's a dream move. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, um, because of the close proximity in which he's moved, maybe he, he feels like how he feels at Chelsea. He hasn't been energised by the move because he hasn't been uprooted. He's just still in the same place, still travelling from the same place. His mindset hasn't changed. He's coming to a dressing room that needs him to be the man. And now Edu's saying he needs time. No, no, he shouldn't be saying that. Somebody's got to get him in that office at some stage. Maybe someone needs to speak, or he's an experienced player to speak. And someone's got to say, you're meant to be doing it now. Because mm-hmm. when you look at the players who are, being, who are standing up and being counted, talking about Gabriel, centre-half, and Kieran Tierney, them two come out and they say, listen, man, We're sorry, not good enough, but we're going to go again. we're talking about two young players.
0: Even though we've not seen much of him when he has played the instant impact of Thomas Partey.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I think it's tricky because Chiarantini, I think he had that, he had that wobble with his injury when he first signed and then he had another flare up with the injury. And I think that that tempered expectation of him a little bit. Mm-hmm he already seems like a senior player. He's already kept
1: be. the material, the way yeah, he is. totally. And Gabriel as well, I think. Like, Gabriel's yeah. had
0: a couple of wobbles recently, but still, he's the, yeah. the fact that he has been probably Arsenal's most consistent performer this season, mm. and he's a new signing, and he's young. He has been. you know, how many, like, how many
1: player of the months has he had for us? I think he's been something like three, three times. Tomorrow, yeah. you know?
0: um, and I think this is the thing about William. Like William wasn't... If you were going to go with the time route, Mm. then you could have saved yourself a load of money and really try to manage Emil smith Road and get yeah. him into that side or Reece get Nelson. Reece Nelson firing yeah. or get Joe Willock playing firing. do you know what I mean like they're the players you have that give, you, you give time to yeah. you bring in someone like William because it's a kind of like in basketball for example they say this is a win now trade right yeah. this is a win now
1: win now trade and that's the, what he the thing was.
0: is the confusing thing about Arsenal actually is considering they're so far down the table you look at the squad it's a win now squad. Sorry, it's an audio podcast, but uh, right. He just rested you just rest his head, head on the microphone for a bit. Because of
1: for, 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 for Edu to say when he signed him, he will have immediate impact. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd rather him not say, you know what I'd rather him say? I'd rather him come out with this saying now he needs time, which is really, I think it's disrespectful to the fan base and they can see. And I, I'm not saying this for anybody to pile on. I'm just saying for Edu, who's, who's at the Elm in, in that respect to say, listen, we need more out of, the, out, of the, out of players. We need more because you coming out and saying that is going to make me, people think instantly time. We've given him three years. We've given mm-hmm. him three years. So he's not the person that should have time. He's the person that needs to hit. I think, Ryan, like you mentioned, and rightly as well, that not having to maybe move house, not having to maybe uproot and do all that sort of stuff. I think that um, we need a lot more and I need a lot more from Eddie. I don't want to hear Eddie saying that kind of stuff.
0: Mm, I agree. You know,
1: I don't, I don't want to hear that. That, that, that upsets me, especially with a Southampton side that are coming now with untold amount of, of energy. Um, Ever- Everton coming, City coming, we've got Chelsea coming, well, people have to worry about, Ryan. And I think I said it, I sent a message. Who did I send a message to? I'm not, did I send it to you, Ryan, when I said, Ryan, look, I've got Arsenal fans who, you know when they get so serious in, it's not, the band It's not serious. I cannot remember when we've ever been this low in the league. Yeah, yeah, you said ever. there's like uh, people, haven't. Right? many people haven't seen this in their, last, yeah. in their lifetime. i have never yeah. seen this in, in their life, to be down here. And like, was, was it my Tottenham mate, like Mitchell, my Tottenham mate is saying, there's always one team that gets dragged. And you know, you heard like people like Roy Keane making that joke on Sky about, yeah, I think they they've good enough to stay up. There's people who are really reveling in this. And these are the, this is the energy. This is the thing what the players have to look at, right? And gain strength from. This is where you find, you know what? That any given Sunday, inch speech. Mm. That's what it's going to take now to get, because you've never, none of those Arsenal players have been in the situation what the Southampton players were in when they were 9-0 and they had to drag themselves out of molasses to get where they are now. We're not talking about Arsenal players who have to do that. We're talking about Arsenal players who literally just have to show the fans that, you know what, if they're beating us, it's literally over our dead bodies. That's, wh- that's the kind of performance we need now because the fans are starting to really waver.
0: I agree. This to me, the real parallels here with 2015-16 Chelsea, Mm -hmm. actually 2014-15 Dortmund, Klopp's final season when they were really struggling. And a lot of people were were kind of coming out with similar things like, whoa, are Dortmund Dortmund going to go down? Are Dortmund going to go down? They ended up recovering. I think they finished sixth or seventh in
1: the end. The thing with Mikel is he's a very serious man. You could see that. Because when you look at him, even when we were winning, when we won the FA Cup and when we were winning games and doing, he was, this is what people have to understand. He was saying, we still have to trust the process yeah. at the moment. Yes, this is happening that, that's work, this and that, but people will work us out. And then it's up to us to see how we recover from that and how we can then go again. Because remember, yes, you're, you're meant to be playing to a structured form and how he wants you to play, but you still got to express yourself yeah. and have, and have like, a little bit of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit of pride in your performance. Yeah. Play well. That's first, that's the first thing. Play in the system, play well, express yourself and enjoy the game. Yeah. Right? That's still got to happen. But when you look at Mikel, at no stage was he getting carried away with what's going on. And like now, like I saw him in an interview the other day being asked some banal questions and you could see they were annoying him and people saying, oh, he's flustered. No, he's not flustered. He's always like, he's very serious. And just like Pep, that doesn't like stupid questions because I'm finding that the question that they're asking some of the times after the game is simply for clicks.
0: You know, Haaland uh, did an amazing interview where they was just like...
1: Uh, I think I saw it and people yeah, saying he was arrogant.
0: Like, yeah, but it was just like, well, you ask me better questions, you get better answers. Exactly. Speaking of uh, questions, Mikel Arteta's press conference was just wrapped. What's he saying? He said, there's a quote, it is no time to hide. It's time yes. to put your face and your body on the line. We have to take the bullets. Take you have to books. put your chest out and that's say, my hit manager, me. Bro. That's my you manager. have the right to hit me because I'm not winning.
1: So he's wow. like jumping in front of them. You know something? That's the kind of, that's the, I'm so happy to hear. You see now, if I'm, you see, look at me. I'm charged. I'm charged, bro. What do you bro. want me, boss? You know, exactly,
0: it's the kind it's like of thing. P- Peter Cech's turning out for <laughs> Chelsea, and Ian Wright's going to. Is Ian Wright on the subs bench it's for a,
1: us? With a, a, a fused ankle in the new Predators, the the, the the new Pharrell Predators. But the fact is, he's,
0: <laughs> he's wearing good drip. He's, he's not good lie. drip. Like,
1: <laughs> no, the, you know the thing is, right? It's the kind of thing that he's put that out there for me, for the players to see. Yep. they cool. have to react. To that man, Because you know what that manager's doing? He's like, he's, he's taking the bullets. It doesn't yeah. come any fucking clearer for me to see that, right, our manager's on the line for us. He, he's going to die for us because he's going to take the bullets.
0: That's a big, that's a big psychological
1: move. Massive, massive move. I think that massive there's move. been a couple of rumblings coming out that obviously
0: players aren't wildly happy and you always get these leaks around things course, like this. Yeah but he could have very easily said they're not doing what I'm telling them to do exactly or yeah. what was the, uh, the the Mourinho at Chelsea we've got some rats in here
2: they all went like they all went like
0: fucking narcos ratas <laughs> Mourinho's pure godfather man like in the uh, like in the all or nothing thing when he went it was like episode two I actually tweeted about it a screenshot and he was just like talking to Le- Levin he was just like I think I have to sacrifice Winks for the family <laughs> Cause he's talking about Eric Dyer he was just like yeah. I stabbed him with the knife and
1: he was just like what the fuck is going on man like he's just in, this, in the training room training ground canteen it's like, it's just, oh god yeah, but the thing is is that you see that's the kind of thing where players who want to bail out mm. right you know um, they want to hear what Mourinho says right mm. so they can say well fucking man yeah yeah but like when you come out and you do what Mikkel does. And you know what? When you speak to the guys, like I speak to the young guys and I always ask them, how's Mikkel with you? He says, oh, he's brilliant. He's mm. brilliant. He's always said, it. he's brilliant. So what you're hoping is that them seeing that move and you're right, it's a seismic psychological move and he's looking for a reaction from that dressing room. I'm delighted to see that. And now I'm looking forward to the Southampton game. Your whole energy that, has changed. Honestly, honestly, man. It's so funny. I'm saying manager, bro. Simply because if I was in that dressing room, what he's saying there now is speci- You know, I'd like to think if I was in that dressing room, I wouldn't be one of the players that have, have, has put him in that position mm. to make him feel like he needs to say that. And I think that Gabriel, Tierney, to a certain extent, they're, they're not that guy. No, they're not that guy. But in respects of the rest of the team and what they need to do, you know, I, 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 as a forward, I feel for Aubameyang. Because even the chances he's had, they, they've been headers. I, I saw a stat the other day, him and Lacazette's goals what they've scored, 80-yard, 80 80-something. 80 there's seven headers. And I think I've seen a couple of headers where it's not his forte. He needs chances that are laid into him. We've seen how he finishes.
0: Yeah, I mentioned this a couple of times that I don't think that either of them are dreadful in the air, but it's just not their... It's not their forte. It's not their preference.
1: It's not their preference. But you know something, my manager, man, my manager guy...
0: Yeah, before that, you were like an Ian Wright tablet and then someone added water and he got mad fizzy. <laughs> like Moose <Musa laughs> will say,
1: I got all my vitamins. Yeah, man. <laughs> right, he got all his vitamins from that press conference. Brilliant. Right? Yeah. I'm going to have to ask you to leave Righty's house, but I don't push you out. You know, the door's always open, my brother. Thanks, man. Love you to see you. See you soon? Yeah, definitely. See you in the group. The group's getting cooler as well. I love that. Oh, yeah. well <laughs> Take it easy, man. Lots of love. Okay, so thanks very much. Thanks to Ryan. Um, I love you, right? Ry- Ren Wren, Rideola. Nacho Honreal. (laughs) Man's got so many names. Listen, thanks for listening, guys. I hope everybody's staying well in these times. Live, love, and should I say hydrate? Oh, no, it just came out. Hydrate. We'll see you next week.